Welcome to Church Online. We're so glad that you joined us today. We're excited for what God's gonna do in our church today. And hey, before we go any further, let me introduce myself. My name is Luke Betker. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Slate Church. I get to pastor together with my amazing wife, Victoria, and we pastor alongside the absolutely incredible Brandon and Emma Richardson. We're so glad that you joined us today. And hey, it's not too late to invite somebody to church. In fact, right now in the chat, right beside me, there's a button popping up. It's an invite button. Why don't you go ahead and click that? We've made it as easy as possible to invite somebody out to church. It's not too late. Why don't you go ahead and hit that and invite somebody to church? We would love to have them join us today. Also, if you're new to our church, if you maybe you're not involved, you wanna find out more, you wanna know more about who we are, whatever it might be, we've also got these great things called Connect Cards. We wanna encourage you, even right at the beginning of this service, fill out a Connect Card. Go ahead and do that. We'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to show you a path forward as to how you can get involved and find out more about our church, get into a connect group maybe, get into a team, whatever's gonna work for you. We would love to see you get involved. So make sure that you click the button also coming up in the chat right now that says connect car. Go ahead and hit that and fill that out. We would love to connect with you. So right now, we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna worship God. What a privilege it is to be able to worship God. So I wanna encourage you wherever you're at, why don't you, you know, find some space, whatever you need to do, let's worship together. Let's remember that we don't worship God to remind him of who he is. We worship God to remind us of who he is, that he is good, that he loves us, that even in the midst of everything that might be going on in the world right now, he is still in control. So let's take a minute, let's worship God together this morning. Here's to the one who made the morning bright. Here's to the one who taught the stars to shine. Here's to the one who graced the dead of night. Pulled me from the dark, set my heart alive. Here's to the one who made my heart to sing. Opened up my eyes, washed away my sin. Here's to the one who gave his life for mine Broke all my chains, set me free, alright To the way, oh, to the truth Oh, to the life I live In the light you give, Jesus, here's to your name Over everything
Still to come, oh I believe 
Some time of worship that that was. You know, we're going to continue in our worship right now, actually, as we come before God and as we pray to Him and as we praise Him. This is something that we always do in our services at Slate Church. We take some time and we read some of the prayer requests that have come in over this past week from people in our church. And we're going to pray over these things, believing that God will meet the need. And then we're going to praise God for the things that he has done. Sometimes it's so easy for us to just ask God for things without stopping and pausing and reflecting and praising him for all that he has done in our lives. Let's remember, as I read out some of these uh, prayer requests, these are so much more than just a, a prayer prompt. It's so much more than just uh, something that was written down for us to pray about. This is something that actually matters to somebody, somebody in our church, some, someone in the Slate Church family. And so we're gonna pray today in faith, believing that God is going to move. So check this out. We are praying for the strength of a long-term relationship that feels strained right now. We're praying that, um, uh, that somebody seeking direction uh, would find that direction in their life. We're praying that uh, the Lord would deliver someone from discouragement in their life. Praying for somebody who's looking for God to work in their life. We're praying for people who are dealing with mental illness. We are praying for racial injustice in our world. Hey, this is something that as a church we have been praying about, we have been talking about. It's a conversation that we've been having over the past couple of weeks, and it's something we're gonna continue to talk about and continue to pursue in our church. We're gonna continue to pray about it. We're praying about it today. We're praying that 
hearts around the globe would be softened to what God wants to do. Uh, we're, we're praying for somebody else that they would let go of the brokenness they're holding on to. You know, this represents just a small portion of the many, many requests that have come in this week. But why don't we take a minute right now, wherever you are, if you feel comfortable, why don't you stretch your hand towards the screen in faith, believing that God's gonna move. Let's pray over these needs. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that even in the midst of everything that might be going on in the world at this moment, that you are good, that you are on the throne, that you see what's happening and you care about us. And so I pray for every single need that has come in this week. Father, I pray for direction for people. I pray for healing for people. Jesus, I pray for provision for people in whatever area that might look like. And Jesus, I just pray that as you meet these needs, that your name would be glorified in the lives of these people. Father, that it wouldn't just be like an exchange at the bank or something like that, but Father, that as you meet the needs in our lives, that we would praise you for it, that we would thank you for it, and that we would let the world around us know how good you are. And, and, and Jesus, that you are a miracle working God. So Father, we just pray for these needs in your name and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, hey, why don't we take a moment also and thank God for what he's done. Again, we're going to praise him for what he's done. Just a moment ago, we prayed in faith over the things that we're believing God will do. And now we praise God with thanksgiving for the things that he did do. So let me share some of the praise reports with you. Someone is praising God for a fun job opportunity and for financial provision, amen. Someone else is thankful for the opportunity to get back to their normal job. Someone is thankful for the power of worship, amen. I love that. Someone is thankful that God is continuing to work in their heart more and more. Someone is thankful that God has blessed so many people with gifts used to bring worship to the church. Someone is thankful for the ability to be active. Someone is thankful for opportunities to learn. Someone else thankful they receive good grades. Someone else is thankful for the sunshine. Come on, there are so many things that people in our church are thanking God for. Let's remember that he is good and let's thank him and praise him for who he is. What an awesome thing. Well, hey, again, we wanna say welcome to church today. We're so glad that you have joined us. Again, I, I don't know about you, but I've got so much expectation for what God's gonna do today. I'm ready for what God wants to say, even through the message that's coming up. And I've just got a faith today that God's gonna speak. I hope that you do too. And we're gonna to get into all of that in just a minute. But before we do, why don't you just take a second right now? And if you're with people, why don't you say hi to them? Let them know that you love them. If you're by yourself right now, why don't you pick up your phone and message somebody, tell them that you're thinking about them, encourage somebody. Just for the next minute, go ahead and say hi send an encouraging message to somebody right now. Well, hey, we're a church that believes in the power of generosity. And so to encourage us in our giving today, as we come around our tithes and offering, uh, I want to welcome Pastor Victoria to encourage us in this area. Hey church, to encourage us when it comes to our giving uh, today, I want to read to you from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. It says, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, 
and your love for us. I want, to ex I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I love this reminder of, of excelling when it comes to our gracious act of giving, going above and beyond. I also love what it says in the Amplified Version. It says, instead of the word excel, it says to lead the way. We actually get to lead the way when it comes to our generosity. We get to lead the way when it comes to your generosity, actually for people to come into relationship with Jesus. I just want to encourage you today when it comes to your giving to actually think bigger. Let's think, how can we excel? How can we go above and beyond? And how can we lead the way for people to find a relationship with Jesus? There's lots of different ways that you can give. It's going to come up here in just a little bit, but why don't we pray for our giving today? God, I thank you so much that we are blessed to be a blessing. I thank you that we get to lead the way when it comes to the gracious act of giving. I just pray that we will steward our, our finances well and that we will remind ourselves to actually think bigger and, and to not limit what you can do through us and through our generosity. In your name we pray, amen. Hey Slate Church, good to see you guys. Thanks for tuning in to Church Online. My name is Jared Moore. I'm one of the site pastors here at church, and we've been taking some time out of our services recently to just highlight uh, some of the testimonies and stories in our church. And we've got a story today as well. It's a little bit different though, and I'm excited for you to hear it. And so we've got somebody with us. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself there? Hi, yeah, my name is Lisette, and I help lead the City Impact Team here of Gowdy. So Lisette, Tell us a little bit about um, what you guys do at AR Gaudi, how long it's been happening, how long you've been a part of the team. Just give us a little bit of an idea of what goes on there. Yeah, so I think I've been a part of the team now for, let me say two years or three, I'm not quite sure, around there. But it's been an honor. So we go there every Tuesday for about an hour and we're there just to kind of engage the residents in different activities that just help them with their needs, like their well-being, so that is their, you know, their emotional well-being, their physical well-being, their, even their intelligence, their, their way of thinking. It's, it's really important to kind of engage all those different avenues that are important that makes a person. Really cool. So how have you guys been able to engage with, you know, some of these, uh, these people or even just AR Gaudi in general in this COVID season? It's definitely been difficult and different, I would say, but we have been able to through giving them cards and handing out face shields to kind of meet the need that that's out there in a lot of long-term care homes. Yeah, recently, um, you guys actually, I think a lot of us here will have seen that video a couple of weeks ago uh, that sort of highlighted some of the face shields that we were able to donate and that you guys were able to donate at City Impact. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was that was a really crazy, great, amazing, only God-led experience. So we reached out to a bunch of retirement homes and long-term care homes in, in our area. And we didn't know any of these people, but just through like cold calls, we got so much positive feedback and so much relationships were built from that. We saw the need we'll be able to actually fulfill and meet that need by just giving them this essential item that they needed to kind of be able to work during this time. And people really responded so well. They were so appreciative that we took the time to call them and to ask if they needed a donation. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I mean, you've been a part of City Impact for a while. You've been working with AR Gaudi for a while. Um, you know, you're leading a bunch of people now. What is what is 
this team or this ministry or being a part of all of this meant to you as a person and um and actually be cool to hear just a little bit of how it's built your faith as a person as well it means it's it's my heart i would say uh, definitely the calling that god has put on my heart personally it, it's opened up my eyes not just to how it impacts volunteers but how it impacts the residents and how it impacts them like they may not remember but it's that feeling of peace that you experience once you say the goodbyes to them at the end of the hour. It's the it's the change you see within minutes. That when you come and show them love, they respond. And I think that's how we're supposed to act as Christians. Come with love, come with openness, and then that person will respond to you in such a positive way. I've learned just so much about hearing their stories, and a lot of them are Christians, so you see the love they still have for Jesus. And that some of them even say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching the word of God here too. And I'm just like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. So no matter what season, no matter what age, like your calling is always the same. And that's to spread the word of God and to spread the gospel to others. So cool, incredible. Like, what would you say to somebody maybe that's heard a little bit about uh, City Impact now, maybe they saw the video before, maybe they're watching this right now and is interested but hasn't taken that step yet to be a part of, of uh, what you guys are doing, what God is doing through you in the city? I would say if you feel like God's calling you to do it, or you feel like this, this gut feeling, follow it and just do it. If you want to do more for your city, do it. Don't hold back. Don't hold yourself back. There's multiple teams at Slate. There's Air Gaudi. There's One Roof. There's the University Campus team and their street team. So there's there's a team for everybody. If one doesn't work, like try another. Be in two. Be in three. Be in all of them. Like just do it. So good. We said uh, thank you for sharing a little bit about your experience. I think maybe a lot of people might recognize you because uh, you're also part of the worship team and that's awesome and that's phenomenal. But I want to thank you uh, for doing that, but also for all the work that you put in behind the scenes of coordinating and calling and, and the consistency and dedication you have to the City Impact team. Um, it's inspiring and, uh, and it's cool to see you just serving God both uh, in a public setting and in a private setting. So thank you for that and thank you for sharing today a little bit of your heart. You're definitely the right person for the job and I'm excited to, uh, to see how this is going to impact people in our church. Thank you. As a church, we want to make sure that we're connected with you in this season, that you're connected with us, that you know what's going on in our church. We've still got lots of great things going on, even in this season of, of physical distancing and everything else like that. And we want to make sure that you're following us on social media. That's one of the best places where you can find out all the things that are going on in our church. We've been having some great Insta Live sessions, uh, conversations, all kinds of stuff. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything going on. We've got stuff like prayer mornings that are still happening on Thursday mornings. We've got uh, communion that we do every Friday at noon. We wanna make sure that you don't miss out on any of these opportunities to connect with us as a church, connect with other people in our church, and ultimately to connect with Jesus. So make sure that you're following us there. If you've got any questions about where uh, to find information or anything else, 
visit us at slatechurch.com. It's your one-stop shop for everything you need Slate Church in this season. Uh, you know, for sure you can find an answer to your question there. So make sure that you're going to slatechurch.com to find out more, including things like how to join a connect group. We'd love to see you in a connect group this season. Uh, things like uh, how you actually get to prayer morning. Now that we're not doing it in a physical location, what do you do? We've got links to our Zoom meetings there. Make sure you go to our website, stay up to date. We don't want to see anybody slip through the cracks in this season, but we're doing whatever we can as a church to create avenues for you to stay connected. So make sure that that's something that you're doing. You ready for the word today? I'm so excited for the message. You know, I really believe that God is gonna speak today. So I wanna encourage you, let's lean in, let's get ready, let's have a faith, let's have an expectation that God is going to move. Let's not consume this the way that we would a movie or a TV show or like an episode on Netflix. That's not what this is, but this is actually church. And we really believe that God's word is gonna communicate something to us today that has the power, if we wish to receive it and apply it, to actually change our lives forever. So let's do that today, let's get ready. And I'm so excited to uh, be able to welcome Pastor Emma, who's gonna be speaking to us today. Hey church, so glad to be with you today and uh, uh, talking about uh, God's word, reading from his scripture, uh, his divine scripture, and actually understanding and growing from that. It's incredible that we get to do this together, that we get to come together, we get to read from God's word, and we get to learn about it. Let's never take that for granted. So I am going to jump in, but I just wanted to say, you know, rumor has it, I know Luke uh, just introduced me, rumor has it that Luke is getting a haircut next week. So uh, this might be the last time we see him in a hat for a while. We'll see. Um, and everyone who desperately needs a haircut or uh, a, a color said amen. But I'm going to jump right in here. Uh, Matthew chapter four, we're going right to the first gospel in the New Testament, part of the Bible that talks about Jesus, looks back on the life of Jesus. And Matthew is the first gospel in that, that really tells the story of who Jesus is and, and, and Jesus walking on this earth and his death and resurrection. Matthew chapter four is where we're going to be starting. And if you want to, you can follow along on your phone, Bible app on your phone, or you can grab out your paper Bible, or you can also click the Bible option uh, in uh, the, the viewing platform right now. So Matthew chapter four, verse 18, it says this, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Why don't we pray today, church? God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to gather virtually together today, Lord. I just pray that you would speak through me, God, that this would be an, a message of encouragement and that we would just lean into what you have to say today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. 
Well, listen, maybe you've heard this idea before of when Jesus went and called the disciples, when he uh, uh, started his ministry, really. And I just want to give you a little bit of context of what was happening here. You see, Jesus had recently been out in the wilderness. He was uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was being tempted by the enemy and he was coming out of that wilderness and he finds out that his cousin John has been put in prison. It says in in scripture just a few verses before that Jesus retreated to Galilee in verse 12. And this is where we see that he begins to preach. And this is where we get this picture of him calling the disciples. It was right at the beginning of when Jesus was starting his ministry. And, you know, it's interesting in this story, in this context of what we're reading about for Andrew and Peter and James and John, this would have been just a normal work day. It, they would have gotten up, they would have gone to work, they would have gone to the seaside, they would have started to work on their nets, they would have started fishing, they would have been around their family, maybe they were making some jokes, maybe they were just having a good time, they were working hard, and it was just kind of a normal day when all of a sudden Jesus walks by. They had no idea at that point how that day would be completely life-changing, how it would completely flip their lives upside down. You know, uh, there's this game, and I wonder if you have ever played it before, and it's called Would You Rather. You know, this game is played in a lot of different contexts. Maybe you have played it as an ice-breaking game at like a corporate event. Maybe you have played it around like a campfire with some friends. Maybe you've just talked about it in the car as you're on a long drive. Would you rather? And the whole premise of this game is that you give the person two options, and you say, would you rather do this or do this. And you have to pick which one and maybe reason why you would want to pick this one and 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 have this conversation back and forth about it. Well, several weeks ago, uh, as lead pastors, we were playing this game on one of our Instagram live uh, uh, things. And, and Luke asked these questions, would you rather? And I think that the context was in uh, like, would you rather this or that? And you would never have the other one ever again. Like you'd only get the one you choose for the rest of your life. Why is that? It was like, would you rather have hot chocolate or lemonade? Uh, Would you rather um, go to a ski hill or go to a beach? Uh, Would you rather um, have uh, pizza or uh, pasta? And you go through this game and it's this would you rather game. So of course, naturally, uh, I took this game home to my uh, young children, my four-year-old and my two-year-old. And I started to ask them, okay, would you rather? Would you rather uh, pink or purple? Would you rather um, a freezy or a popsicle? Would you rather a pool or a sprinkler? And I was asking all of these would you rather questions. Would you rather Paw Patrol or Peppa Pig? And the resounding answer that they gave me every single time with this look of confusion on their face was, uh, both. Like, what are you talking about, mom? Of course, we want both of these things. I don't want one over the other. I want both of these things. They were having a hard time making the decision between uh, a good thing and another good thing. They couldn't grasp the idea that they would have to choose. You know, we make choices every single day as individuals, every day. What are you going to wear in the morning? If you're going to take a shower or not, whether or not you're going to work out, uh, what you're deciding to eat. Uh, We're making these choices and we have lots of possibilities and we make choices every single day. We're making small choices. We're making subconscious choices. We're making choices about our behavior. We're making choices about things that we don't even think are choices. We're like, oh, we had to do that, but it's still 
a choice. And, and choices are these interesting things that we can actually get tired of making. There's something called decision fatigue. If we are making way too many choices, we can just get tired of doing it. We can get overwhelmed and we're going, I don't want to have to make another choice for a long time. Maybe you have felt that way before. Some of us get overwhelmed uh, in, in making these choices and where to start on, on what takeout uh, food to eat. Am I going to order Indian? Am I going to order uh, Chinese? Am I going to uh, go and get some uh, Italian? What am I going to order for dinner this week? Because we've been doing a lot of takeout meals uh, lately. Some of us get overwhelmed when we go on Airbnb and we're looking for a place to rent to get away for the summer. And, uh, and it just seems like there's way too many options of what you should choose. Some of us get overwhelmed just going, what, what do I, what choice do I make to do with my weekend? What do I do this week? And it can just get so overwhelming with choices. Maybe that's just me. Those are the things I get overwhelmed by, but it's easy to get overwhelmed by our choices. But regardless, we still all make them. You know, if you're taking notes today, I want to encourage you to write down this title. Don't get stuck on the boat. Don't get stuck on the boat. You see, in this particular passage, I am so fascinated, and maybe this is because I'm, I'm not just a pastor, I'm also a therapist, and I think this way, but I get so fascinated with the choice that the disciples had to make. I find this so interesting. It, it, it makes me wonder, how did the disciples choose to get out of the boat? How did they actually make that choice to go and follow Jesus? I mean, for many of us, I understand you might be sitting there and you're going, um, Emma, do you realize that this was Jesus in the flesh? That Jesus was calling them to come and follow him, to come and fish for people? Like, don't you recognize that this was hardly a choice? Of course they would do this. I get that rationale. I get that logic. But I also see that it, it just as easily kind of breaks down. Because if you're a Christian uh, leaning into this message today, uh, I could easily say, and I know this for myself, we have the word of God. We have scripture. We have Jesus's words. We have the inspired text uh, from the Holy Spirit. And so often when it calls us to something, we just kind of ignore it or we uh, continue about our business or we pretend it's not there or we know it, but we forget it. And we make choices every day not to actually follow what Jesus has said. So how is it that in this situation, the disciples decided to make that choice? You know, I think that this is important to actually look at. How were they able to make that choice? What can we learn from them and the characteristics that they have so that we can actually make the choice every day to get off the boat and to follow Jesus more closely, to get off the boat and fish and love the people around us, to actually point them towards the hope of Jesus. You know, this is important because our world desperately needs it. It's so easy to live under this facade that the world is all good, that everybody we know is fine, that we are bothering them uh, if we are positive, that we are bothering them if we are pointing them to Jesus. But let me tell you, this world needs hope. The marriages that surround us, the friends, the family, the co-workers, uh, the teachers, the, our kids' friends, they are desperate for this hope of Jesus. Maybe you're watching this right now and you're going, I don't really know Jesus personally, but man, I kind of could use some hope. I could use some freedom in my life. Let me tell you that that is Jesus. 
But so often as Christians, we can just lean back and fall back and sit in the boat with what we're used to and what our normal is instead of following the call of Jesus. And that takes away the opportunity to spread this good news of Jesus because of the characteristics that we lack. I wanna talk to you today and encourage you today that we can actually gain some of these characteristics that the disciples had and follow Jesus and get out of the boat. You don't need to get stuck on that boat today. Are you with me? Amazing, amazing. Listen, you can write this down. The first thing that the disciples were, that these fishermen were, is they were disciplined. They were disciplined. You see, being a fisherman during this time was not an easy job. They didn't get to go uh, and take their work computer home and um, you know get a, a nice office chair on the company's dollar and just have this wonderful job where they could get uh, donuts in the break room at lunchtime and have this comfortability. This was not the situation for them. This was a tough job. You know, we have a creek near our house and oftentimes I will see teenagers driving by our house on their bikes with their fishing pole off the back. I just love that. You know. Every day, basically, I'm reading my kids Berenstein Bear stories where Papa Bear loves to fish and go to the pond and put his feet up. You know, there's this idea that fishing is so relaxing. Maybe you love to fish. Maybe you fish yourself and you go out on a boat and you put uh, uh, you put out your pole and you, you put your lure in the water and you are just so relaxed. I mean, I can get on board with that kind of fishing. I don't love the after effects. Like if a fish actually uh, latches on and then you have to do something about that, I don't like that part. But I can get on board with the sitting on a dock or on a boat and having a lazy day fishing. That sounds just fine to me. This is sometimes how we think about fishing. That is not what we are talking about here. These men were in a very labor intensive job. It was difficult. It was physically laborious. It was challenging mentally. They were up early. They were there late. They were working very hard out in whatever element came about. These guys were hard workers. You see, we see this uh, uh, when they're mending their nets. You know, these fishermen were not well off necessarily. They had to mend their nets because they couldn't just go and get a replacement when something went wrong. They couldn't just go to the local Home Depot or Canadian Tire when things were not going well. They actually had to do the work to mend it, to make sure that their equipment was well put together, that they actually did this hard, rough, and tough job. You see, church, our willingness to be disciplined in the season we are in now is going to affect our willingness to jump out of the boat, to draw closer to Jesus. We actually have to be disciplined now. There's this saying that, uh, you know, the current state of your home, your kitchen, your bedroom, your car, the current state of your home is the future state of your ministry. It's the future state uh, of where your life is going to go because if we can't be disciplined now, good luck being disciplined later. If we can't do our dishes now, good luck cleaning up after people later. It's it's one of these challenging statements, I think, that can get to us of we need to be disciplined now and have this discipline now so that we are actually building the character that we need in order to step out into what God has called you to do. This is significant. Don't just coast through life going, I'm going to do the bare minimum and I'm not going to be disciplined and I'm just going to I'm just going to coast. Don't do that. This character building opportunity that you have right now is going to set you up for success in your next season. The disciples were already disciplined in their everyday lives. 
They had what it took to walk with Jesus, to face the hardships, and ultimately be the gospel bearers that would bring this message really out to the world. They were able to come under leadership. They were able to learn. They were able to do the hard work. This is something that many of us often strive for, but end up struggling with, this idea of discipline. We want to cut corners. We want to take the easier road, the fastest route, the one that gives us the most glory, the one that takes the least effort. I can feel that pull all the time. I often say, uh, I said to Brandon a couple of weeks ago, this is a, a funny example, and it's not in my notes. So here we go. Um, you know, he is like, Wendy's and I am like McDonald's when it comes to things. Uh, Wendy's, if you know their slogan is, we don't cut corners. Brandon is thorough, he is disciplined, he gets things done, uh, he's fantastic with that. I'm a little bit more like McDonald's. I mean, we have gone to McDonald's several times during this uh, pandemic and they have forgotten uh, part of our order every single time. It's easy for me to just go so fast and try to blaze through uh, and just get things done. And sometimes we need the discipline to slow down, to do it right, to do the hard work, to not cut the corners, and to actually up our quality in what we're doing. That characteristic is going to carry us and equip us for what God has called us to do. Now listen, don't feel like you have to do this all on your own. I love in Galatians 5 where we read about the fruit of the Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we see that fruit coming out, one of those is self-discipline. So this is something that we can actually look to Jesus for, that we can actually ask of the Holy Spirit to develop inside of us. And maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe that's your takeaway from this message is I need to increase my discipline in my life so that I am ready for whatever God calls me to. Point number two, characteristic number two, they were underqualified. These men were underqualified for the seeming task at hand. You see, when Jesus retreated, he went looking for people who were unlearned, who were poor, who were marginalized, and who were really simple. You know, maybe you're thinking, wow, I wish that was the qualification on some of these job descriptions that I am looking at, uh, where all of these entry-level positions um, are asking for like five years of prior experience. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I wish that this kind of unlearned, uh, 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 underqualified um, was, was the job description for me. You see, we know this. We know that Jesus went looking for those who were unlearned, marginalized, uh, poor, simple, and didn't have all of the qualifications because he went to Galilee. He could have gone somewhere else. He didn't retreat to Jerusalem. He didn't retreat to Herod's courts where there would have been people who were well-educated, people who uh, knew what they were talking about, religious leaders of the time. He had the opportunity to go into those spaces to call people to follow, to call his closest followers. But he retreated to Galilee, all right? Galilee was not the place you would go if you were looking for someone uh, who was well-educated. That was not the place. You know, if you went to Galilee, you're finding people, uh, Galilee was a remote place. It wasn't refined. People were not well-educated in Galilee. One commentator wrote this. He said, their speech betrayed them. A Galilean speech betrayed them. It's kind of like when you go uh, to Boston, you know someone's from Boston right away if you meet someone from there because of their accent. And for the Galileans, they, they didn't have eloquent speech. They didn't have all of these fancy words. They had an accent that betrayed them. And out of all of the Galileans, like if he's going to go to Galilee and look for disciples, it's like, okay, that's fine. But Jesus, just don't go down to the sea. 
because that's where the people there are the least educated. They are the most poor. They are the most simple. Uh, they don't understand the most. So don't go down to the sea. And Jesus is like, that is exactly where I am going. Jesus did this intentionally because Jesus uses the foolish things of this world to do his incredible work, to build his kingdom. You might be listening to this and you might feel underqualified, uh, incapable, unlearned, and yet I want to tell you that Jesus does not pass you by. Jesus is not about to look at you and say, hey, you don't have what it takes simply because you don't have what it takes yet. He is looking for a willing heart, not for just qualifications. I love in scripture how we see this time and time again. David, who became king over all of Israel, spent a lot of his time out watching sheep in a field. I love how Moses, who led the Israelites out of Exodus or out of Egypt in the Exodus, the mass Exodus, was attending to his father-in-law's flocks for many, many years out in the wilderness. These disciples were on a boat. You might feel like you're in a place where you couldn't be noticed. You might feel like you are on the bench in the game of life, so to speak. You might wonder if it's even possible that you could be used in the kingdom of God. You see, I love that Jesus knew that the disciples' starting point would not be their final destination. The disciples had to go through a process of growth. And don't miss this here, church. I think this is a really key element to this characteristic of being underqualified. The disciples heard the good news, then they preached the good news, and then they spread the good news. You see, for many of us, we want to fast track our responsibility. Perhaps we need to go back and ask God what he's calling us to to go back to the basics before we try to build our own empire, before we try to bowl over everything and everyone. You see, we don't have to share every opinion. We don't have to share every idea, every thought that we have or grow offended by other people's. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, come and follow me. I know you are underqualified. I know that you are not well-learned. I know that you maybe don't feel like you have all the skills necessary in order to accomplish what I have for you. But why don't you come and follow me? Why don't you get out of that boat? Don't get stuck on that boat because you don't think you have what it takes to follow Jesus. What would it look like today to say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to come under your leadership. I'm going to read your word and, and have the Holy Spirit work in my heart. You see, it's very important that we don't try to get ahead of ourselves here, that we don't say, okay, Jesus, I've kind of got this idea. I kind of know what I'm doing. So I'm not, I don't really need to stay all that close to you anymore. I can kind of preach this and figure this out and do this. I don't need to read my word. I don't really need to pray. I don't really need to give to the church financially. I don't really need to be a part of a team or a connect group. I can kind of do this solo. And it's easy to look at other people and say, maybe they're doing that. But I want to encourage you, look at yourself today. Are there things that have you've distanced yourself from God with that you just need to get back to his heart, come under him, come under his leadership and draw close to him. There is a growth process that Jesus wants to take you on. And I encourage you to draw near to him today. We need to be close to Jesus and we need to learn and we need to stay right there. See, I want to encourage you, don't let a negative view of self keep you from Jesus. We are weak. That shouldn't surprise us. We are weak, but when we are weak, he is 
strong. So the disciples, they were underqualified. The disciples were disciplined and the disciples were open to the unknown. You see, we are a, a bit risk averse in society today. We don't want to make the wrong decision and feel like we are uh, behind, that we feel like we have been pointed out, that we have done something wrong. We feel like there's not a lot of room for mistakes in today's society. So we just avoid risk. We really just seem to know too much. We know the risk, so we don't want to take the risk. You see, in the past, the unknown left people with a sense of adventure. It left people with a, a sense of calling and purpose. What could be this dreamer mentality? But today, the unknown often feels fear-filled for us. Opportunity for screw-up and something really to avoid at all costs. Our adverse reaction to the unknown affects our willingness to trust God. I'll say that again. Our adverse, uh, our adverse reaction to the unknown affects our ability to trust God. Comfort becomes the most important thing for us. Comfort is so important to us. And sometimes this happens in really small ways. It's not necessarily like these massive things and massive decisions that we're making that we want to stay comfortable with. It can come simply from being too self-focused. It can come when we are unwilling to stop for the people around us and actually care for others. It's uncomfortable to be vulnerable, so we just choose not to. It's uncomfortable to move away from what we know, so we just stay put. It's easy to stay negative. It's easy to gossip. It's easy to become blind to the things that we have become comfortable in. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to search us in this. We have to be willing to look at the unknown and trust God in the midst of it. I wonder, does comfort of the known keep you from the call of the kingdom? The disciples could have chosen to stay on the boat. Let that sink in for a moment. I wonder how many of us are staying on the boat when Jesus is calling us to get out of it. The disciples could have made that choice. It was a possibility for them. They could have said, you know what? I know how to be a fisherman. I know what this looks like. I know how to mend a net really well. I know what it's like to work alongside my father. I know what my day in and day out looks like. And Jesus, you know what? I am just comfortable here. No thanks. I'm not going to get off the boat. You know, I wonder if you are listening today and you are recognizing the nudge that the Holy Spirit is giving you to say, get closer to Jesus, get out of that boat. Whether this is for the first time or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you've just gotten stuck in a place of comfortability. You've gotten stuck in what you know. And Jesus is saying, go a little bit further. The Holy Spirit is just prompting you in that today. Maybe it's uh, reading in scripture and you know that your behavior isn't godly. It's not following. It's not lining up with what Jesus has said. It's these things that Jesus is saying, I want you to get out of that boat where you are stuck and comfortable. Listen, it may be uncomfortable to leave the things or change the things that you have always done. I think the most uncomfortable thing I did was a year ago uh, starting to exercise after having three kids. I felt like an absolute fool. I would go for runs and I would start walking like 30 seconds in and I would be out of breath and I would be discouraged. I would go and work out in my basement uh, with the kids yelling and screaming and doing all of these things and, and just feel like, can I even do this? I remember feeling so hard on myself for that because that change was 
challenging. It was not comfortable to step out of my comfort zone. It would have been so easy to stay where I was. But it's so interesting because a year later, I feel so much better. Those momentary short-term challenges brought, way, brought forth the opportunity to live my life in a much healthier way. I wonder what short-term challenges that you are avoiding that Jesus is saying, come off that boat and get close to me. I wonder what you are avoiding that Jesus has a plan for later on that would have this ripple effect. Why don't you get off the boat today? You see, I think that that exercise metaphor really applies to so many things. You made a commitment and you don't want to follow through with it because it's uncomfortable. You aren't able to step into another job because you're afraid of failing. You are insecure about asking uh, about asking that person out because what if they were to reject you? For the disciples on the other side of their risk was the reward of learning from Jesus himself to being the ones to spread the gospel. We have to recognize though that there is a risk in this of going, okay, this is all about me. This is all about me getting uncomfortable so that I can gain more knowledge of Jesus, so that I can be close to him, so that I can feel better, so I can get out of that boat. And, and the end result and the end goal is, is me. And this just leads to self-righteousness. This leads, uh, this is not the end in sight that Jesus has for you, is a focus on ourselves. Maybe we need to reflect to ourselves, but we need a bigger vision and a bigger why, why we need to get uncomfortable and get out of that boat. I wonder, are we willing to get uncomfortable to recognize that the journey of faith is not all about passionate worship in our bedroom that makes us feel good. It's not about uh, getting on the couch with a, a blanket and your Bible and a picture-worthy smoothie every single morning so that you can, you can just take in what Jesus has to say. That is not what this is all about. That is not the end goal. Sometimes it actually is about standing up for what is right when no one else is willing to. It's about choosing your spouse over the woman that keeps DMing you on Instagram. It's about loving your kids passionately. It's about making financial sacrifice. It's facing persecution. It is loving the seemingly unlovable. It's spending time with the outcasts who might actually take something from you without returning it. It's about speaking loudly against social injustice and racial injustice. It is about loving people. You see, God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's important that we love ourselves. It's important that we take care of ourselves. But if that does not end in loving your neighbor, you are not out of the boat yet. If it doesn't end with actually getting uncomfortable, with actually taking a stand, with actually stepping forward, with actually making sacrifice, you are still in the boat. So we need to get out of the boat, church. We aren't called to be comfortable. We're called to count the cost, to follow Jesus, to rejoice when we are persecuted because our reward is not here on earth. It is in heaven, Matthew 5, 12 says. We need to look to heavenly things. We need to see a bigger picture. We need to recognize that the Christian faith is not just this feel-good butterfly effect where we all sit around and sing kumbaya. That's not what it's about. It's about making sacrifices to follow Jesus. The disciples made incredible sacrifices to follow Jesus, but they had such a deep revelation of his truth, that he was the hope of the world, that he had come to die and rise again for all of humanity's sins. 
It's an incredible testimony that they would go on to share, that they would go on to die for. They faced struggles, but it was worth the cost. Let's not let fear of what could be or might be keep us off the boat. Let's allow that to, or on the boat. Let's allow that to propel us off the boat, knowing and trusting that God will walk with you through it all. So church, I wonder, how do you step into what Jesus is calling you to? To take a step out of the boat. The first step is to take that first step. Whether you just need to come closer to Jesus, maybe you need to ask again. Maybe you need to do some searching and say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? What can I do practically? What does this actually look like? And take that first step. How can you love someone today? How can you care for someone? How can you uh, uh, be a light? How can you come closer to Jesus? How can you learn from his word? How can you make different choices in your behavior or your reactions to your spouse or family? What does it look like to take a practical step off that boat today, off of what you know, off of what's comfortable, off of the the status quo, and to step into more of what Jesus has for you? Let's walk away from here thinking about that today, church. You know, you might fall flat on your face at times. This is training ground. That's okay. Jesus is walking right alongside you. He didn't send the disciples out without the training. He didn't send them out without them growing close to him. We need to be reminded that this is a bigger deal than what we think it is. It's not just about us. We need to have this in our lives. We are called to be the church, to be followers of Christ. You see, every single one of us today is being called out of the boat out of what's comfortable into a life-giving, rich, adventurous relationship with Jesus. It is not always worth easy, but it is always worth it. So let's be disciplined. Let's recognize it's not about our qualifications and let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Listen, maybe you are here and you're tuning in and you're going, I have never decided to follow Jesus before. I've never decided to get out of the boat of of life that I find myself in, but maybe you want to. I just want to let you know today that really deciding to follow Jesus, to make him Lord of your life, to accept that he came, died on the cross, and rose again for you, that you can have your sins wiped uh, clean, and that you can continue to walk with him and follow him and have that hope and start that journey. I, I want to encourage you that that choice is the best choice you could ever make. So with every eye closed, wherever you're at, and listen, if you are a Christian viewing this, why don't you start praying for the people contemplating this decision? If you want to make that choice today, I want to lead you in a prayer. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. It is that simple. This is your first step out of the boat. This is you saying, I'm going to leave it so I can follow Jesus. What an incredible and exciting thing to do. So with every eye closed, head bowed, if that's you today, uh, in the messages right on the screen there, there's a little box that says, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus and you can click raise my hand. This is just an opportunity as we're in this virtual world right now that you can click that and make a stand, make a commitment. Say, I'm choosing this. It's totally anonymous, but we would love for you to take that action today and I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, you see every heart, you see every individual who is making this choice today, and we thank you so much for it. 
Jesus, we acknowledge that you came, you died on the cross and you rose again for our sins, that there was no way we could be saved without you. So God, we release that to you and we step towards you today out of the boat and into your love and your grace. In Jesus name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, what a fantastic choice you can make. Uh, you know, Luke's going to come back in just a moment and give you some next steps. Uh, so make sure that you keep tuning in for that. But maybe you're listening and you're going, hey, I have been stuck on the boat for too long. I have gotten too comfortable. I have lacked discipline. I have let my uh, lack of qualification or my insecurity keep me from what Jesus is calling me to. And I want to step into that today. I just want to encourage you that you are not doing this alone. There are so many people in the same place of drawing closer to Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus is with you every day step of the way. His grace is sufficient. He is strong in your weakness, but we need to turn and take that step. So if that's you today, whether you need to make a leap and run to the shore, or you just need to put your toe in the water and take that first step out of the boat, I want to pray for you today. So if that's you, wherever you're at, why don't you reach a hand towards the screen again, making that symbolic action and let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this heart and willingness and desire for people all over the place, God, to step out of the boat. We don't want to be stuck in the boat, Jesus. We don't want to be stuck in our own insecurity, our own comfort, uh, our our lack of self-discipline. God, let us take on these characteristics that the disciples had so many years ago where you called them into relationship with you, God. And I pray that we would step out of that boat, not just for us, God, but for the impact on the kingdom that you desire from us, Lord. I just pray that people would be uh, stepping into callings today, that they would be uh, taking steps forward, that they would be doing this in community, and that you would draw near to each one of us today as we desire this for you, God. Make us brave, Jesus, today. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thanks, church. If you made a decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to say congratulations. That's the best decision you could ever make. That's so exciting. You know, we've got popping up in the chat right now, a button for a connect card. And we would love it if if you would just take a moment, really it's only gonna take a few seconds to click that link and fill out a connect card. Because although that was a decision made in private, it's meant to be lived out in public. We wanna do whatever we can as a church to answer your questions, to connect with you, resource you, whatever we can do. So please click that uh, connect card button and fill that out. We would love to connect with you. Well, can we just take a minute and thank Pastor Emma for an awesome message? That was amazing. Pastor Emma, we wanna thank you. What a great word. We thank you for your diligence. We thank you for your time spent in preparation. We thank you for your, your honesty and your challenge to us as a church in this season. Thank you for bringing that message. I know I benefited from it, and I'm sure that many, many others did as well. So thank you so much for that. Well, just in closing today, I want to tell you about one more thing. It's called Next Steps. And again, if you've maybe been attending Slate Church from week one, or if this is your first week, whatever it might be, but you haven't actually taken that next step and getting connected, joining a connect group, joining a team, uh, maybe you, you don't know what our mission is or our vision or our values or any of these types of things, we would love for you to attend Next Steps. Next Steps is something that we're actually still doing even in this time of physical distancing. We're doing it via a Zoom call that takes place right after this service. And I know you might be thinking like, 
hold on, I, I don't wanna jump on a Zoom call with people that I don't even know, I'm doing this all week. Listen, it's not gonna be awkward, it's not gonna be weird, I promise you it won't be. But it, I think actually it's a moment for you to meet somebody new and for you to get connected in a new way that can actually add so much value to your life. We really believe God's got great things in store for you. And we wanna do whatever we can as a church to set you up to use the gifts that God has placed in your life to bring glory to His name. So make sure you join Next Steps. Again, it's popping up in the chat. If you're watching this later, there's no Next Steps that's gonna happen like after you know, you're watching this on YouTube on demand. But you can still go to our website and fill out a Connect card. So make sure that you do that. But hey, I really do wanna encourage you attend next steps we're gonna have some of our site pastors there some of our leaders they're not awkward people it's not gonna be weird don't feel like you have to carry the conversation it's gonna be a great time so make sure that you join our next steps right after this service and parents we haven't forgotten about you and your kids we've got slate kids happening right now we're excited for it so make sure you stick around for that as well for everyone else we love you we thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us for church today we really are praying that you have a blessed week thankful for you we'll see you later take care hey kenzie how's it going Slate Kids is now. Slate Kids is